This week on Geek Explained, you demanded it, so here it is. To celebrate the release of her new series as well as her casting in the upcoming Superman Legacy film, we're diving deep into the life or lives of Shaira Sanders Hall, Shaira Hall, and Kendra Saunders. So join me as I Geek Explain Hawk Girl. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is all about Hawkgirl. This is the latest of our Geek Explained episodes where I take a character, team, or concept and Geek Explain them to you. And to celebrate the release of Hawkgirl number one this week, as well as the announcement of her casting for the Superman Legacy movie, we are going to be Geek Explaining the Lives plural of Hawkgirl. We're diving into the three main Hawkgirls and a little bit of their additional lives in between. Uh, there is a lot to get into. It is a doozy, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, this past week has been really interesting. Uh, for me, personally, we've got the strike going on. SAG officially is joining the, jo- the WGA and going on strike, so as you are listening to this, ya boys, is officially on strike. Uh, It's a really complicated situation for a lot of reasons, but the least complicated thing about it is that you need to pay people what they're worth. So I'm hoping that things will end amicably and that we do reach a deal that helps out all parties and not just fat cat corporate, you know, executives who want to bleed people dry for all of their creativity and then not give them any money for it but we'll see i'll try and keep you updated as i go along but yeah lots of plate spinning with that uh i think this is hilarious uh they just announced right after the reveal of that incredible wolverine costume reveal that deadpool 3 has officially stopped production because of the strike because you can't you can't make movies without without writers and without actors. So we'll see what happens there. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on. SDCC uh, is now kind of uh, scorched earth when it comes to uh, members of SAG showing up to promote films or other projects. It's going to be a very interesting San Diego Comic-Con, which as you are listening to this, is this week. So uh, we will check back here next week with any news that ends up happening. But overall, very intrigued to see how this year goes with everything going on. Uh, The other big piece of news, at least for me when it comes to comic books, is we got the reveal that everybody was expecting. It was the worst kept secret in comic books. Kamala Khan is coming back! And she is going to have a brand new series called Miss Marvel, the, the New Mutant. The thing about this, everyone saw this coming, right? Everyone knew that this was the play that they were going to do. Uh, we got a great redesign um, by, 
Oh, gosh, I am blanking on the name. That is going to bother me, so I'm going to do this in real time. This Marvel redesign. Um, this is by... All I know, as I'm looking this up, is that I am kind of digging it, to be honest. Uh, Jamie McKelvey. Yes, of course, Jamie McKelvey uh, has done the redesign for Miss Marvel. Um, he's previously done the redesign for Captain Marvel. Uh, he also did one of my favorite designs ever, and that is the Teen Cyclops costume that he did for X-Men Blue, which I absolutely adore, and I love, I love the implication or the what is what is the word uh he he use i don't know what the proper word is for it but he kind of recycled the glove design that he used for cyclops's costume for that the x glove in kamala khan's costume implemented that's the one he implemented that design and i absolutely adore it so i'm very excited about the design looks cool i don't know if it's going to stick around cuz it feels very like uh, mutant training suits, and we might see a final design later on. But as it stands, it's pretty cool. What is also really cool is that this is being co-written by Miss Marvel herself, Iman Vellani. I think this is the coolest thing, right? She goes from being a super fan of Kamala in the comics to playing the character in the MCU to now writing her comics. She has my like my dream trajectory right so this is the coolest thing i really really dig that um she's going to be let me pull up this press release here um she is going to be writing this alongside uh sabir perzada who also helped to write the uh, miss marvel disney plus series uh carlos gomez and adam gorham are going to be on art and sarah pacelli pichelli cinderella is going to be doing the covers which is really exciting uh we love her art and i'm just really excited i'm very interested to see how they do this it's the funny thing about Miss Marvel is that she is this I don't even know how to describe this she is this cultural touchstone for anyone who's been reading comics from the early 2010s till now she was kind of set up to be like a modern day Peter Parker, a character who reflected the growing leader, growing readership of the time, and she was, I mean, on an upward trajectory from the very first issue she appeared in. So the fact that they decided to kill her off here felt incredibly strange and a slap in the face for fans of not only the character but also good storytelling. And now we know that it's all about MCU synergy, which I think we kind of always knew. We didn't maybe uh, know all the ins and outs or just how the uh, how the sausage was made, so to speak, when it came to those decisions. But we knew that this was going to be in line with making her a mutant ever since they made that choice in the uh, last episode of that Miss Marvel series. And so to see the comics kind of align with that is fascinating to me. I think it's one of the biggest, you know, comics changing to be more like the 
uh, more like the adaptations that we've seen in a very long time. So I'm curious to see how this uh, how this ends up turning out. I think it's a really it's a really exciting possibility for new stories for the character. But again, it's one of those things where why fix what wasn't broken? So time will tell on if this is a good idea, but we'll just have to see. Uh, one of the things I am really excited about, though, that dropped literally the day that last week's episode went up so that I couldn't even talk about it, was the casting announcements for Superman Legacy. Specifically, we got four big names joining the film, and we got into it a little bit on the uh, on the book club on Friday. Uh, Malcolm and Jacob and I got to kind of sit down with this. Uh, Jacob doesn't have any social media, so it's always really fun to like reveal stuff to him that he has no earthly idea about. But specifically, uh, we got the announcement that Anthony Kerrigan of NoHo Hank fame is going to be playing Metamorpho. Very excited about that. Uh, Edie Gathigi is going to be playing Mr. Terrific. Edie Gathigi has been everywhere. First Twilight movie. He was the... Y'all remember when First Class killed the only character that can't die? Yeah, that's him. That's Darwin. Uh, He's... An incredible actor that I'm very excited about. The most baffling choice, which was Nathan Fillion playing Guy Gardner. Of all the Green Lanterns to cast Nathan Fillion as, we all know the one that he should have been cast as, but for whatever reason, he's going to be Guy Gardner. I want to trust in James Gunn, but this is a very odd choice. And then finally, the reason for the season, as it is, as it will, is Isabella Merced is going to be playing Hawk Girl. I'm going to assume that this is going to be the Kendra Saunders version of the character, but I don't know that for sure. All we know is that she has played the live-action Dora. Uh, she was in one of the Transformers movies, I'm sure. And she is going to be our new Hawk Girl. Really excited about that. And how about that news alongside the release of Hawk Girl number one this week. More on that later. Um, you can't. You want to talk about brand synergy. This is the way to do it. Hey, we just cast this really important character in this new film that everyone's excited about, and we're dropping the first issue of her new series. Why don't you go check it out if you're excited about the casting and interested in the character? It's one of those things that I think is really cool. I don't feel like it was intentional, but. When the stars align, good things happen. Which brings us on over to our main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as we take a look at this character that Mer- that Isabella Merced is going to be playing in the upcoming Superman Legacy movie and dive into every life, mostly, that she has led across millennia. So join me as I geeksplain Hawkgirl. I came to this planet as a patriot. I had a mission, and I carried it out. What I couldn't know was that I would come to care for the Earth and her people, that I'd come to care for all of you. 
Those were the words of Hawk Girl, Shayera Hall, in the critically acclaimed cartoon Justice League. I remember it was the early 2000s. I had never heard of Hawk Girl before. I'd had a passing knowledge of Hawkman. He'd popped up in different cartoons. I believe he was in, um, what was it, the Super Friends. Um, he'd popped up here and there in comics I had read. But I was not familiar with Hawk Girl, and I, I think, as a young silly lad, just assumed that oh, this was just you know gender bending the Hawkman character. But as the series went on, and as I continued to watch this show, I became a huge fan of Hawk Girl. And as the years have gone by, we've seen the character have tremendous highs and devastating lows but there's always been something that i've admired about that character something that she has kept through every adaptation every reincarnation every single life she's lived is that she keeps fighting on and there's something i think to that especially with a character that deals with as many lives as she does uh, she's almost as much of a slave to her continuity as you would expect comic book characters to be uh, every character whether they've been through multiple crises or multiple reboots tends to get more or less a fresh coat of paint and a clean slate every few years but not hawk girl hawk girl is one of those fascinating characters who continues to draw back to her time in previous stories, in previous eras, and previous runs of creative teams. And though things will change, some things will get retconned, there is a really magical thing about Hawkgirl and Hawkman in that the lives that they live matter to them. No matter what they're doing now, the lives they've lived before are important. They drive their plot, they drive their character, they drive their enemies oftentimes. And so reading a Hawk comic is something akin to, re to watching Doctor Who, a character who has lived several different lives and every single time tends to come back a little different, but remembers those lives. Those lives were not just for the time that they were in. Those lives weren't just a character that they could toss aside and embrace someone else. They changed, yes, but they held on to the lessons that they learned. And that's something that I've always really dug about the Hawks' characters. You know how much of a continuity guy and how much of a basic bitch I am for lore. And so the Hawks are really unique in that they are one of the few characters or concepts in the DC universe that continues to hold on to continuity and treat it as sacred. But that leads us into our geek explain session. This is where I'm going to be geek explaining the lives and times of Hawk Girl, specifically three lives. We're talking Shiera 
Sanders Hall, Shaira Hall, H-O-L, and Kendra Saunders. Um, this is kind of spurred on by the release of Hawkgirl number one this week, which I'm really excited about, as well as the casting of Hawkgirl in Superman Legacy. Uh, four characters who I don't think anyone was expecting to show up in this movie, um, but I'm really excited to see what they not just do in their movie, but where they go from there, because you know this is just a launching pad for them. And hopefully, after they see this movie, they are going to want to go back and read these comics, and this will be here waiting for anyone interested in learning more about the character. I'm really excited to dig into this because uh, Hawkgirl's history is kind of batshit, and I kind of love it for that. It's messy in all the right ways. So let's dig into this. The, I guess, TLDR of the character, the notes that you kind of, the, the, the basic tenets of the character. Hawkgirl, a.k.a. Hawkwoman, Lady Blackhawk, Chai Ara, Lady Celia Penbrook, Kate Cinnamon Monser, Sheila Carr, Harold Shira, made her first appearance, and here we go already, we're going to be talking about three separate first appearances. Hawkgirl made her first appearance as Shaira Sanders Hall in Flash Comics number one, way back in 1940. Shaira Hall, H-O-L, made her first appearance in The Brave and the Bold number 34 in 1961, and Hawkgirl made her first appearance as Kendra Saunders in JSA Secret Files number one in 1999. So as you can see the three main lives, the three main incarnations of Hawkgirl all appeared more than 20 years between each previous incarnation, which I find incredible. It's a wonderful thing to see the revitalization of a character like i'm i'm expecting any day now we're gonna get a brand new hot girl i'm waiting for it she's due at this point but kendra saunders is the current hot girl and she's been through a lot we're gonna get into it in a second uh the created by section is also split up into three uh shira sanders hall the first hawk girl slash uh i don't think she ever took on hawk woman Maybe. Uh, was created by Gardner Fox, Dennis Neville, and Sheldon Moldoff. Uh, Shaira Hall, H-O-L, was created by Gardner Fox and Joe Kubert. And Kendra Saunders was created by James Robison, David Goyer. That can't possibly be right. David Goyer? David Goyer. As well as Scott Benefield. Uh, Hawkgirl's team affiliations include the Justice Society of America, the All-Star Squadron, the Justice League, the Birds of Prey, the Blackhawks, the Guild of Detection, and the Council of Immortals. Uh, her powers and abilities include flight, reincarnation, accelerated healing, temperature regulation, superhuman strength, endurance, and agility, enhanced hearing, vision, sense of smell, and taste, and multilingualism. What that means is sometimes, depending on the story and depending on the continuity and depending on the incarnation she can talk to birds and sometimes she can't uh, her main equipment even though she has had different looks different equipments across the years but pretty pretty consistent across is her nth metal mace as well as a set of wings which can either be feathered wings natural feathered wings or nth metal wings it again depends on the incarnation 
But with all the basics out of the way, let's get into the history. And oh boy, here we go. This is going to be a hell of a time. I am going to do the best that I can to navigate this. And I'm going to try to do this in a chronological order that makes sense. Uh, there will be a large retcon in the middle, so just be prepared for that but first off spoilers for all the stories leading up to right now as of recording in Hawkgirl uh in Hawkgirl and her stories but also uh there is going to be a trigger warning and a content warning as we go along here so I'll let that uh I'll give more about that later but let's dig into this here we go we start off in ancient Egypt, with Egyptian princess Shai Ara and her lover Prince Khufu are living happily as some of the most privileged uh, members of that Egyptian society. However, their love was intended to be star-crossed as the treacherous advisor Hathset used an nth metal dagger to kill Shayara and Prince Khufu out of anger, jealousy, and spite. But what he did not know is that by taking the lives of these two lovers, using this nth metal dagger, which had been pulled from the wreckage of a meteorite, all three of their lives were set to be intertwined for the rest of time. The cycle officially begins here where Princess Shaira and Prince Khufu would be reincarnated into uh, new lives, new bodies, new personalities every single time they died, and Hathset would also do that as their eternal enemy. This reincarnation cycle took them through a few different lives, uh, specifically Hawkgirl or Princess Shaira uh, lived as Lady Celia Penbrook in 5th century Britain. Uh, Cinnamon, in, where she was an Old West outlaw, as well as Sheila Carr, who was the lover of a Pinkerton agent. So this kind of takes us through all the way up until the first incarnation of her superhero life, which is Shaira Sanders Hall. Now, Shaira Sanders Hall was the Golden Age Hawkwoman. Uh, she first appeared in Hawkman stories as a potential love interest, but was uh, pretty quickly uh, upgraded after she was kidnapped by Dr. Anton Haster, who ended up being that current incarnation of Hathset. Thankfully, Hawkman rescued her, and soon after, she and Hawkman, whose real name at this point was Carter Hall, fell in love after it was revealed that this Hawkman Carter Hall was, in fact, her long-lost Prince Khufu. Soon after this, she was given a set of wings, a mace, and a helmet of her own as she took to the skies as Hawkgirl, helping out with Hawkman's adventures, and the two would regularly team up to battle Dr. Anton Hastor on multiple occasions. Uh, the two would join the All-Star Squadron during the days of World War II, and Hawkman would join the JSA, though because the original JSA was a big old boys club, Hawkgirl wasn't so much a member of the JSA as like a weird secretary it's 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 an unfortunate uh reflection of the time but following the uh efforts of the JSA at a certain point they retired and had a son named Hector Hall who would go on to be 
one of the many Doctor Fates, or Doctor's Fate, as you would call it. Uh, This led them to the realization that they were not the only DC universe. In fact, there was a multiverse where they encountered what would come to be known as Earth-1, finding out that other lives and other hawks lived on this Earth-1 while they lived on Earth-2. Unfortunately, these two lives would... Even though they were very simple at the start, this is Earth-1 Hawkwoman, this is Earth-2 Hawkwoman, uh, it would get really complicated because of Crisis on Infinite Earths, where not just the destruction of the multiverse happened, but also the rebirth of the One Prime Earth. And instead of them doing the easy thing, instead of them saying, you know what, this is a time for us to just align and there be one Hawk Girl, they decided, no. Two Hawk Girls. We're going to have two Hawk Girls with two separate incarnation lines, and they are going to have two separate histories where Shaira Sanders Hall and Hawkman joined the JSA and served for a time, and another Hawk joined the Justice League later on. More on her in just a second. However, Shira Sanders Hall's time would end during the Zero Hour event where she bonded with Hawkman as well as another future incarnation of Hawkman to create the Hawk God. And at that point, all was done. And for now at least, the book on Shira Sanders Hall was closed. Which brings us to the second incarnation of Hawk Girl, Shira Hall. She was born Shira Thal on the alien planet Thanagar. Thanagar is a planet that is full of people who look just like Hawkgirl and Hawkman. Uh, there's a pretty significant story that involves Thanagar that we're going to talk about in just a second, but mostly it's just all winged people all the time. Uh, during her time on Thanagar, she grew up in uh, basically a slum in the capital city on Thanagar, and eventually joined the police force, becoming a wingman, as they were called. Uh, no other ambiguation that they could use. Uh, but during her time on the police force, she meets Katar Hall. And the two, while initially being very uh, off just not getting off on the right foot with each other and being antagonistic, eventually did fall in love and got married. They were the power couple of the Thanagarian police force, but their lives on their home planet would eventually come to an end as in pursuit of the space criminal Bithrock, they eventually found themselves stranded on Earth, specifically in Midway City. They... Very quickly became friends with the local police chief, George Emmett, who set them up with new lives and new identities, that being Carter and Shiera Hall. Yes, that's right, they are the Silver Age Hawks. Uh, Shiera would go on to work at, in her civilian identity as Shiera Hall at the Midway City Museum, and would eventually grow as a hero alongside Hawkman, leading to joining the Justice League, the big premier team that at that point had had a very specific teammate 
number restriction that they could only have 12 members. That's all, which is a really silly thing in retrospect, considering how big that team has gotten. I mean, you just got to look at JLU just as the cartoon to see the legions of Justice League members. If you throw a stone... At any point in the DC Universe, you will probably hit a person who has been on the Justice League. But this was a big deal. The Justice League had had this teammate limit for years. There could only be 12 teammates, 12 members of the Justice League, and if someone wanted to join, someone had to rotate out first. They decided to lift this restriction to allow Hawkgirl to join their ranks. And this paved the way for a couple members down the line for Zatanna to join the league, who is one of the most well-known members of the league alongside Hawkgirl. The two would eventually grow to have a deep-seated friendship with the two of them being kind of the new kids on the block when it comes to the Justice League. And it was uh, it was pretty Pretty cool at the time that Hawkgirl was the one that made this uh, this restriction end. Uh, following this, her Thanagarian homeworld came a calling, wanting to use the intel that Shaira and Carter had gained during their time living on Earth. Uh, this is when Carter and Shaira decide definitively: No, we are. Earthlings from Thanagar fighting for Earth, and they repelled the Thanagarian invasion and sent them packing, thereby being branded traitors to their planet, and exiled and warned never to return. Following this, we got, as we said before, Crisis, where not only was Shaira now on this Earth, but also the other Shaira was now on this Earth, having been a member of the JSA during the Golden Age, and Shaira Hall, H-O-L, being now the uh, current Justice League Hawkgirl. There was a Hawk for every team when it came to the DC Universe. However, this was also in the wake of Crisis, the time when DC was like, we gotta retcon, we gotta do big retcons for everybody. We gotta retcon people's backstories, and we gotta make it so that we make this streamlined and yet way more complicated. So what they decided to do with DC was they were going to release this three-issue miniseries, Hawkworld, which retconned a lot of stuff when it came to the Hawks' history. Most importantly, changing the reason that they were sent to Earth in the first place, as well as pretty much all of their interactions since they landed. Now, this made it so that uh, Shaira and Katar were sent by Thanagar as goodwill ambassadors after a failed invasion by Thanagar. They're like, all right, guys. Hey, Earth, we get it. We suck. Um, here's a couple of our people so that we can make good with this. And so they're sent essentially as foreign exchange students to learn about the Earth and to present themselves as the best of Thanagar to hopefully repair some of their relationships. There they ended up putting down roots in Chicago, where they joined the Chicago PD, and they were given their Hawkman and Hawkgirl personas. It's here that Shaira changed her name from Hawkgirl to Hawkwoman. 
And there was another hot girl that was put in between because at this point it means that Shaira Sanders Hall was the hot girl for the JSA. There was no hot girl in between. And then Shaira Hall, HOL, joined the Justice League later on. So to circumvent the fact that there had been a hot girl pretty much the entire time between them, they decided to create another hot girl. Don't worry, not super important. But Shaira Hall would be the hot girl going into not just the Silver Age, but the modern age as well. However, eventually, uh, Hawkman would be driven off-world and killed to start his next reincarnation cycle, and Shaira would eventually retire, becoming a teacher. Unfortunately, her time in the civilian space was not to be for long, because... The Ram Thanagar War kicked off in the lead up to Infinite Crisis, and Shire was drawn into the conflict by way of her being a Hawk Girl. And so, this was really fascinating because both Hawks participated in this, um, in this space because at this point there had been a new hawk girl we'll get into her in just a moment but during this thanagar ran thanagar war she was eventually killed by commander aka blackfire sister of starfire and ultimate betrayer during that conflict ran thanagar war is heavily slept on and people should watch it not watch it read it um i just i i've talked about this before but infinite crisis is still my favorite crisis just everything surrounding it, the lead-up, the fallout, it's so good. The Ranthanagar War is definitely one of those things that I'm like, man, Infinite Crisis rules. But this eventually, of course, did mean that Shire's Hall's, Shire Hall's life's end, and she would start her reincarnation cycle anew. But... Again, I mentioned that there was a second Hawk Girl in the preceding uh, in the preceding war. And that brings us to one Kendra Saunders. Now, I do want to throw up a content warning, trigger warning. Uh, there is mention of suicide and self-harm. Um, it's not anything that you can really, like, brush past. So if you want to uh, skip ahead maybe, like, two minutes, um, we will go ahead and leave room for you to do so. Okay, so Kendra Saunders was a young Latina woman who took her own life and enacted this weird moment, this weird kind of flashpoint, not that one, of spirits, where as her soul left her body, the soul of her great aunt, Shaira Sanders Hall, took the place of Kendra's soul. So, not strictly a reincarnation, though technically a full-on reincarnation. It's weird. But this is what's considered as a walk-in, where a spirit from somebody else walks into another person's body. And so, this was the start of Kendra's time as the latest incarnation of Princess Shaira of Egypt. So, her early stories were a lot of her kind of coming to grips with the fact that she had some of Kendra's memories, some of Shire's memories, and this led to her 
getting noticed by the JSA. Due to encouragement from her great-uncle Speed Saunders, who was, I believe, the nephew of Shira Sanders Hall. And he encouraged his great-niece to become the new Hawkgirl and to follow in the steps of the warriors and heroes that had come before her. She was very quickly inducted into the new JSA, but continued to suffer an identity crisis, not that one, because of the clash of her memories as Kendra and as Shira. She continued to have this conflict all the way into the Ranthanagar War, where she teamed up with Shira Hall, technically a previous version of herself, while technically also the current version of herself. Very confusing, doesn't make a lot of sense, but she was the first character on the scene after the murder of uh, Shira Hall by Blackfire and was instrumental in bringing Blackfire to justice, ultimately defeating her in combat during the climax of that Ranthanagar war. In the aftermath of the Infinite Crisis, she ended up joining the Justice League and having a very short-lived romance with Roy Harper, a.k.a. Red Arrow, uh, leading up to her actually meeting and spending time with Leon for a little bit. We're not going to talk about it. Leon makes me sad. Uh, But everything would come to a head and climax during the Blackest Night event following Final Crisis And Blackest Night was an event where all of the dead people in the DC universe, all the dead heroes, all the dead villains, all came back. And it was zombies everywhere, but not just zombies, super-powered zombies, and they wanted to kill you and make you one of their own. And during this Blackest Night event, Kendra would be killed alongside that current incarnation of Carter by... Uh, it, was, it was dead Ralph and Sudibney, which makes me really sad. Um, but in the aftermath, we had the Brightest Day event where several characters who had been dead before were brought back, including Martian Manhunter, Maxwell Lord, and both Hawkman and Hawkgirl. However, when Hawkgirl removed her helmet during this during this Brightest Day event, it was revealed to not be Kendra but in fact, Shira Sanders Hall, the Golden Age Hawk Girl, whose soul had been occupying the body of Kendra when she was revived. It was Shira Sanders Hall, 100%. Kendra's time was done. For now. Uh, this leads into a resurgence, a short-lived resurgence for Shira Sanders Hall during the Brightest Day event, where she and Carter were named as the Elementals of Air in this very strange story. It's a Going back and rereading Brightest Day is a really strange thing, because you know that Blackest Night was really good, and Brightest Day brought back certain characters, and it was supposed to be a really cool thing. But it doesn't read very well. And it's a strange Swamp Thing story. And I'm all for reading as many Swamp Thing stories as possible. But this is not one of the stronger Swamp Thing stories. However, during this event, uh, Shira disappears once again as uh, the whole White Lantern thing ends up becoming, hey, you're alive, no strings attached. But also, uh, Shira is the actual elemental of air, so Carter, you get to come back. Shira does not get to come back, and she is now the air. She was all around us. Like I said, it's a it's a dumb event. I'm sorry. If you like it, more power to you. It's not, it's not a great event. 
and I apologize for that. But that leads us into the big reboot. This was the new 52 where they decided, screw continuity. We're going to make a new continuity. And you know what that did? It screwed up everybody who was a slave to continuity, including and especially the Hawks. Now, uh, jumping into the New 52, the main Hawk girl, at least the one that I followed during that time, was actually Kendra Saunders on the Earth 2 comic. I won't be getting into her here because she is a separate incarnation, but go read Earth 2. It's wonderful. She's a great character in that and deserves more flowers, and people deserve to read more of that book. But on the Prime Earth, or Earth 0, Harold Shira was an angel in the dimension beyond ours, and she had fallen in love with a Deathbringer named Katar. Now, Katar Deathbringer was essentially a soldier that killed for sport, and at every turn, at every battlefield, after every slaughter, Shaira, as an angel, would appear to him and try to guilt him into, you know, feeling remorse for the lives he had taken. Of course, Katar felt no such remorse, and so he was accosted by the Lord beyond the void, and Katar was cursed to be reincarnated every single time he died, with a mission this time. The reincarnations weren't just because of happenstance. In this life or in this continuity, Qatar would be rebirthed as many times as it took to save the same amount of lives as he took as Qatar. So until the tally was right at the same, until Qatar had balanced the scales of lives he had saved versus lives he had taken, he would be forced to reincarnate every single time he died, not being allowed to ascend to heaven. And Shira, because she had attached herself to Katar and fallen in love with him, was also cursed, stripped of her angelic status and cursed to reincarnate alongside Katar. So this would bring us the Princess Shaira and Prince Khufu in Egypt. However, that means that they were also part of the cycle, not the, the origin of the cycle. But we see during this big reboot, and this is also incorporating some rebirth stuff, that eventually Sh Shira and Qatar would be reincarnated as Shaira Sanders Hall, as well as Carter Hall during the uh, mid-1900s, uh, where they would join the Justice League, be participants in World War II. Not like participants like, hey, they started the war, but... <laughs> Uh, they would be part of the JSA during that time. Um, eventually, she would die, and we would get Shira Thal, Princess of Thanagar, who popped up in the New 52 Hawkman comic, which is not great. And she would also die. Then, much later on, at the end of... nearly the end of the New 52, during the... Dark Knight's Metal event, we were introduced or reintroduced to Kendra Saunders, the Earth-1 variant, who was the leader of the Blackhawks, which I think is the coolest thing! A lot can be said about Dark Knight's Metal, and a lot has been said by me on this podcast and by others everywhere else. But 
it kind of rules for the simple fact that it brought Kendra back and made her a main player. Uh, we find out her connection to Nth Metal, her connection to her previous lives, her connection to the World Forge, and she is eventually turned into by uh, the Batman Who Laughs and Barbatos into Lady Blackhawk, this giant hawk creature uh, fused with Nth Metal. She is cured of this state, but because of being bonded to the Nth Metal, she finds herself now adorned with Nth Metal wings. And she becomes the new Hawk Girl. So from here, she ends up joining the Justice League uh, shortly thereafter during the Scott Snyder run, and she becomes a main player during that. During this run, she would make a mission to uh, Thanagar Prime alongside Jon Stewart and Jon Jones, the Martian Manhunter, as Jon had gotten a telepathic SOS from another Martian who they believed shouldn't be alive. They arrived on Thanagar Prime and found themselves running smack dab into Shire making the second time that both Shira and Kendra would be at existing at the exact same time. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time that Shira and Kendra shared stories, I would have exactly two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it is weird that it happened twice. Uh, Shira here was the Empress of Thanagar. After having spent some time on Earth, she returned alongside Katar Hall to Thanagar and eventually had grown to rule it. It was revealed later on that Perpetua, who was this big threat, part of the Source Wall, gave birth to Anti-Monitor, the World Forge person. Don't worry about it, it's not a big thing, but because this whole run was centered around the Perpetua threat, we found out that Perpetua had split Hawkgirl into two lives, that being Shire and Kendra, to keep her from her full power, which was as the Cosmic Raptor, the original imprisoner of Perpetua behind the Source Wall millennia ago. So this was a larger threat, and Shira and Kendra were big parts of this story. During their time on Thanagar, uh, Kendra would eventually grow to have feelings for Jean Jones, and they were reciprocated. However, we found that this thriving Thanagarian uh, society was a lie, that during a absolutely disastrous battle, uh, Shira had been essentially proxy to the death of many of her people, including that of Katar Hall, the current Hawkman. And she had used the Absorbicon, which if you watch Justice League, you know what it is, as well as the Martian Elder, the Keep, who Shaira had previously said had died, created this telepathic illusion of Thanagar as it was, as well as Katar Hall. And at the crumbling of this illusion, Shira had to say goodbye to Katar one last time, and eventually was tasked by Kendra to rebuild her society, which she promised to do. Uh, so they parted amicably, and then we got to see 
a lot of stuff happens. So we are going to change perspective to Shire Thal again as she returns to Earth following the reconstruction of her society and during the near events as during the lead up to the death metal event where the Batman who laughs, the less said about him, the better, had infected several members of the superhero community of the DC Universe, one of them being Hawkman, who turned into the Sky Tyrant. Uh, she was uh, invited, basically, by the Atom, as well as Adam Strange, to help cure the Sky Tyrant of his infection. And they eventually tracked him to another planet where a previous version of Hawkman had hidden something called the Key. This key was not just a powerful artifact, but it was also a gateway to the realm beyond. The original realm where Shira and Katar Deathbringer were from. Using this key, they were not only transported to this realm... Uh, Hawkman was cured of his infection, and all of their past lives and memories were unlocked to both of them. So they were now, in totality, of their knowledge of their past lives, their past experiences. And this is when they came face-to-face -face with the Deathbringers, who saw Katar for who he was and wanted to end him. They were able to defeat all of the Deathbringers, but this drew the attention of the Lord Beyond the Void, uh, who overpowered them and was about to strike a killing blow until Shira and Carter utilized the key and their knowledge of their past lives to unleash all of their experiences, all of their lives, and in doing so, overloaded and destroyed the Lord Beyond the Void. However... Unlocking and releasing all of their past lives in this effort also killed both of them, moving them back into the divine space that they had, or that Shaira had originally come from. Now, basically, they came face to face with God. There's no real way to step around it. And God was like, hey, Katar, great work. You saved a bunch of people. You are free to send to heaven. Uh, Shira. I'm going to give you your old job as a herald back. You can be an angel. And the two of them knew that this meant that they would have to part forever. And so they decided we want to stay together. We don't want to be parted. So God, in all of their vast knowledge and empathy, decided, okay, so I'm going to make a deal with you here. Instead of y'all going your separate ways, I will drop both of your consciousnesses back into your favorite life. At, the fav at your favorite time. But you only get one of these. You'll live an extended life. But you only get one. So where do you want to go? Shira and Katar decide to get dropped into their lives as Shira Sanders Hall and Carter Hall during the time of the JSA. Because it was their favorite time together. Which I think is incredibly sweet. They get to go back to their golden age. And live out their lives. And essentially have a happily ever after. Um, it's kind of magical. To know that that happened for them. And so they get to go on and live extended lives. Uh, Shire and Carter. At least these versions. End up living well into the 40th century. Fighting crime, fighting injustice, and fighting alongside other heroes throughout those millennia. Now, 
This brings us back to Kendra, because Shirethal's story has ended, but Kendra's is still going on. Following the events at Thanagar Prime and their separation, Kendra returned with the Justice League to Earth just in time for Sixth Dimensional Nonsense, where in an effort to try and find a way to destroy Perpetua, they came upon a apparently future version of themselves who had created a utopic society and she and Martian Manhunter had gotten married and had had a son named Shane who is basically a little Martian Manhunter with hawk wings it's adorable however this whole reality this whole um this whole uh society this whole thing was a lie In fact, this was a multiverse situation where they had actually gone just to another Earth. And this Earth was incredibly dystopic. They had this Justice League, not unlike the Justice Lords from the uh, Justice League cartoon, had taken over everything. And anyone who is even remotely against the idea of justice, they were imprisoned. Now, during this event, uh, they would end up more or less defeating all of the incarnations and saving their son Shane. Uh, So they headed back just in time for John to die, as Lex Luthor would absorb his essence, absorb his being, to unlock the Doom Key and release Perpetua out into the world. Creating Apex Lex, Martian Lex Luthor, which is kind of underrated, to be honest. Uh, Going back, I didn't really love it when I was first reading it, but going back, kind of drives. Apex Lex is kind of cool, if I'm being completely honest here. This all leads to a climactic battle at the Source Wall, where... Kendra is prepared to give her life to destroy Perpetua and seal her back beyond the wall. However, this does not end up happening, and her son Shane, her alternate future-slash-multiversal son Shane, ends up actually giving his life to bring back the Martian Manhunter, leading into the events of Death Metal. Now, in Death Metal, she doesn't have as big of a role as I would like her to, because it becomes more of a Wonder Woman story, but she does end up being a major part of rescuing the Legion of Doom and allying with them in efforts to defeat Perpetua and... Everything goes right, the evil is vanquished, the heroes stand tall, and Kendra joins the Justice League once again. This time written by Brian Michael Bendis, and the less said about run, the better! This leads into the death of the Justice League, where the Justice League fails once again during a big old battle. Hawkgirl is seemingly killed. And Dark Crisis happens. Uh, This actually brings us to a really interesting story written by Jeremy Adams uh, as part of the Worlds Without Justice League one-shots. She was the backup for the Worlds Without a Justice League Green Lantern story, where her kind of utopia slash hell is her living her first life as Shaira, Princess Shaira in Egypt. And she decides here and now to end her cycle of reincarnation, giving her a newfound mortality. It's unclear 
whether that means that has translated into her real uh, or her like incontinuity stuff, because this was obviously out of continuity in the respect of the story. But it's something to be cognizant about for sure and that leads us right up to today as of this recording which brings us to the new series with the conclusion of dark crisis and the brand new you know conclusion of infinite frontier and now we've got dawn of the dcu um we now have a brand new series featuring hawk girl Kendra Saunders specifically, and I am very, very excited about it, if you couldn't tell. But before we wrap up here, I'm going to give you some recommended reading, my personal favorite Hawk Girl stories that I think you should absolutely check out. The first of which being Hawk World from 1989, uh, written and illustrated by Tim Truman. This was initially just the Hawk World 3 uh, three-issue miniseries, but it eventually expanded into a full-blown run where we got Hawkworld issues 1 through 32. This is the big post-crisis reboot. This is where Shire Thal gets her new backstory. We get a recontextualization for all of the Hawk nonsense, and this is Shira's story going forward. The next one I'd recommend is Legend of the Hawkman uh, from 2000. This was written by Ben Robb with art by Lee Luffridge and Michael Lark. Uh, this is another three-issue miniseries that I really enjoy. Um, this is Legend of the Hawkman issue one through three, and it deals with Hawkman and Hawkwoman trying to figure out their lives outside of being superheroes. Um, it also kind of delves into Thanagarian religion and their belief systems. It's a really fascinating introspective character piece on the two and i really wish we had gotten more with this creative team because they were cooking they were cooking and i i wish that this story was longer than three issues but it was over too soon in my respect the next uh, recommended reading I have is Hawkman, the 2018 series, uh, written by Robert Venditti with art by Brian Hitch and a bunch of other incredible artists. This is the Hawkman issues 1 through 29 of that series, and this is your modern Hawk epic. Uh, Hawk Girl slash Hawk Woman doesn't really factor in until about halfway through the series, but it's a great story, especially if you're a fan of that uh, continuity of all of the different lives. This is where we get a lot of the um, Shira and Guitar Deathbringer stuff. Um, and just Robert Venditti has a deep-seated love for Hawkman, for the Hawks, for their entire continuity. And I just, I think it's neat that there are characters that love, that are deeply loved by creators. So I would absolutely recommend that. For more, uh, Kinder Saunders would absolutely recommend Justice League, the 2018 series by Scott Snyder, with art by uh, Jorge Jimenez. Um, we've got so just so many, so many artists in this. Um, really great run, surprisingly, especially with the runs that had kind of come before and after that. I really, really dug it. Uh, this was issues 1 through 25 of that Justice League book. And this is your blockbuster action. Uh, Hawkgirl is at the center of a lot of it because of her uh, connection to Nth Metal, to the Source Wall, to Perpetua. Uh, there's, that's when we get the second um, 
Kendra and Shira team up. Uh, honorable mention to the Ranthanagar War because it rules. Um, but I wanted to kind of keep it to five, so that's that's just how it is. But really great series, and if you are wanting to know what is going on with Kendra up to this point, that's the series you want to read. And then my final uh, recommended reading is Hawkgirl number one this week. As you're listening to this, this book is out. Uh, written by Jadzia Axelrod with art by Amanke Nawelpan. I know I said that incorrectly and I apologize. But this is the brand new number one for the series that is just starting. Kendra takes flight. She gets to have her own solo series. And Lord knows how long. Probably since, what, the Jeff Johns run? Uh, when Hawkman changed to Hawkgirl. Uh, this is really exciting. I love the creator's that are involved. Uh, Jadzia Axelrod, as you probably know, also wrote uh, Galaxy, The Prettiest Star, which is a great book. Highly recommend. Uh, it's it's just and it's it, this book does feature Galaxy, which is uh, pretty freaking cool. And also has my girl Alicia Yo. I'm really ex- I'm just I'm really stoked. I'm excited that these characters are showing up in this book, that it's got a lot of hype around it, as it should, and you should go out and read it. But more on that later as we get into this week's Comics Countdown. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm excited for Hawkgirl. I'm excited for uh, Jadzia de Axelrod and Amankena Welpon to tell these stories where Hawkgirl continues to... Uh, soar to new heights when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to action, when it comes to character. Uh, Hawkgirl's had it rough sometimes, but she always overcomes. And through all of her lives, you know, it's... I think my favorite Time Lord said it best. We all change, and that's good. You gotta keep going, so long as you remember all the people you used to be. Hawkgirl continues to go on, no matter the lives she's lived, no matter the hardships she's battled through. Hawkgirl is still here, and she will continue to soar. Surprise! This is a really exciting thing for me that uh, we weren't initially planning for this week, but I am over the moon excited to be talking to the writer of Hawkgirl's next solo series i am here with jadzia axelrod thank you so much for joining me here oh thank you for having me i am super excited that we got to got to put this together it's it's funny um you are on vacation i was on the road driving uh out of town when i got the email that we'd be able to make this happen and i was like let's let's do this i'm really excited that we're both uh doing stuff away from uh from our our normal our normal situations <laughs> sometimes that's how it shakes out it's how it shakes out and i had to jump at the opportunity to talk to you about hot girl because i am super stoked about not just uh hot girl getting her first solo series since i mean what the mid-2000s it's almost been 20 years yeah. right yeah that was the simonson run yeah yeah, man, I am I'm super excited to have you talking with me about this today. I'm happy to talk about it. Today's the day yes. I'm recording this that it, issue number one came out. So I'm chomping at the bit to talk to somebody. Hell yeah. Um, about this. My family's already heard all about it. 
Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and my... they're bored with it, so it's <laughs> it's time for you. I'm excited about it. Yeah, my my fiance has been. I think she's she's had it up to here with me gushing about Hawk Girl for the last few days. So I'm I'm excited that I can finally we both have an outlet to uh to talk about our favorite winged warrior. So getting into uh getting just right into it, right into the series, right to Hawk Girl, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. starting off, just for you as a creative and as somebody who really puts their all into the characters that they are writing for, what speaks to you? about hot girl specifically and do you have like a like a favorite incarnation i know we're going to be seeing kendra as the as the lead here um do you have any favorite past stories or anything that really draws you to the character well i love kendra above all the other hawk women for sure um i think she she's my favorite and as i've done deep dives into hawk lore for this book uh she's remained my favorite like, I, I know plenty of people love Shaira, and there's plenty of reasons to love Shaira, but Kendra is my favorite uh, for many reasons. Number one, and this is the reason I loved her way back when I was reading JSA as it came out. So that was like 2000, I think, 99, yeah. somewhere around there, uh, is that she was this kind of, you know, young hotshot who didn't have any patience or um, awe for the golden age, you know, the old men of the group who everyone was like, oh, well, Jay Garrick said we can't do it. So that means <laughs> we can't do it. And like, maybe we should probably listen to Alan Scott. And Kendra is like, yeah, whatever, old man, uh, go to bed. <laughs> and I, I really like that. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to chart her um, course from back then in JSA through Hawkman, the Hawk Girl series, and then um, Justice League, and then her death, and then Resurrection and more Justice League. And just to (laughs) see that, like, what the through line there, which is many different writers and different takes on the character, but there is some, like, consistent character elements that, that... I discovered, which was really neat to see, because so often with these characters who have been around for 20 plus years um, and had had so many different writers that the character is wildly different from time to, from era to era, right? Right. And depending on what is needed for the story and you know, no, no character is immune to that. And Kendra certainly has her moments in that, but it was neat to see like, this is, a young woman who allows her pain to fuel her, if that makes sense. For sure. Like she is motivated um, by a lot of anger and a lot of orneriness, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and that's something that I really like. And uh, it's fun to play with as a writer. Yeah. And I, and I think there's, speaking to that, I mean, Kendra is, I think, out of any of the incarnations of Hawk Girl, Hawk Woman, uh, one of the most unpredictable. Yes. I think you can absolutely drop her into a situation, and there are five, six, seven different ways that it can be handled, and she will choose the eighth every single time. Yes, I think that's accurate. <laughs> so with this, with this first issue, with this new series... What excites you the most about writing this series and telling this story for Kendra specifically? 
Well, this is my first time doing proper superhero comics. So that's yeah. the thing that's mainly exciting. I've done I've done fan superhero comics. I've done my own characters in superhero comics. Yes. And I've done Galaxy the Prettiest Star, which is not quite a superhero, um, but also kind of is. And this is the right. first time that I'm doing honest to gosh superhero floppies. <laughs> and that is very exciting to me as a lifelong superhero fan to to do the job that I've wanted since I was six. Um, right. Like that's amazing. So before we even get to Kendra, it's incredible to be doing that at all. Yeah. And <laughs> that has been a <laughs> blast. Like every single one of these issues is like jam packed with everything I love about superhero comics. And it's just been so much fun. I don't think I've had more fun writing anything. This has that's just awesome. been uh, a roller coaster ride from start to finish in the best way. Um, to talk about Kendra specifically, uh, one thing I love about writing this is to really get into her mental state and see where she is. She's a character who's really been defined through the eyes of the men around her for so long, right. whether that's Hawkman, whether that's male members of the teams that she's on. Um, it's always been how these men see her and perceive her. And that is the story that's being told. And so it's really nice to take a, advantage of the spotlight and have her speak for herself and have her say the things that she should say and give her the space to kind of have agency over her own life and her own story, which is not something this character has always had. Absolutely. And you mentioned Galaxy, and I'm really glad you did. One of the best books I read last year, just an absolutely incredible story. And I was over the moon when I heard not only that you were writing this book, but that Galaxy would be appearing. And we didn't have to waste any time for her to pop up. She pops up right in the middle of the first, the opening uh, conflict. And it's just such a fun energy to have somebody who is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say naive, but someone who brings that really positive energy and kind of pair her up with someone who is, like you said, very ornery in Kendra. Yeah. Kendra's really brusque. Yes. Um, <laughs> Especially now, I feel like that she used to be less so, but as she's gotten older and as she's gotten more experienced yeah. and as she's gotten more of it, but become a better superhero, mm -hmm. she has become less personable in the way other people have written her. And I, I wanted to, I didn't want to deny that. I wanted to take that and show kind of like how that's happened and why that's happened. But also I needed a contrast for that. And yeah. Galaxy was the perfect foil um she also has superpowers that make my plot work so that yes. was a bonus <laughs> uh, like i need those energy manipulation powers i had i had some backups in case oh, really uh-huh in case um dc wouldn't let me use galaxy for whatever reason but they thought it was a great idea and i thought it was a great idea so it it happened and i didn't have to bother um and it's been a blast I'm writing those characters again has just been so wonderful and playing galaxy's more effervescent personality yeah. against uh kendra's um stoicism has been a lot of fun and also playing the fact that 
Galaxy has a personal life. Her life is yes. more than just being a superhero. And so to have that give and take where Galaxy is showing Kendra how to be a person again and not just a superhero while Kendra shows Galaxy how to be a better superhero is a really nice dynamic. And their friendship is the spine of the whole uh, first arc um, and that. what they mean to each other as friends. And they have a, a stronger friendship than I think Kendra has had with other characters who have usually been older yeah. or not superheroes. And right. so to have, have a peer at her own age, because we aged Galaxy up for this. I noticed, yeah. Yeah, which is fun too, to have, have what happened in Galaxy the Prettiest Star six years ago. And right. for me as a writer to think like, well, what happened in those six years? <laughs> how has she changed and how is she uh, the same? And that was that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so to have someone who's like similar in age and similar in life experience, but is coming at things from a very different perspective is a lot of fun. Well, and it's cool too, because in that, and I didn't realize it was a full six years between the stories, but looking at how Galaxy is presented in this issue, someone who is I think a lot more confident than she at least seemed to be in the original in Galaxy of the Pretty Star story, who was also kind of dealing with a lot of issues of identity and self-confidence and seeing her kind of in her power, not, ju not just literally, but also metaphorically, is really cool yeah. to see her story moved forward. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, and especially because she's like, more in control of her own powers mm -hmm. and that has been so much fun to kind of showcase and develop and do wonderful and weird things with her abilities and i was just really excited to see that her and cat are still together six years is a long time and they I broke love, up during college oh did um, they okay they did oh we're they getting more years yes. apart yeah because they went to different colleges and um they tried to keep a long distance relationship going, but it didn't work. And so they had a mutual good term breakup. Um, Galaxy dated other people, Kat dated other people wow. as you do in college. And right. then after college, they came back, uh, they met up again and it was just like, they had never separated. And so they're back together. And it was like, why don't we move to Metropolis? Like we always talked about and, and there and they are. And I love that they they finally made it to uh, to A Town. Yes, she dropped that that nugget in the original story, and now they're actually there. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, we get to see more of A Town oh, in yes. Hot Girl. Um, a good chunk of issue two takes place in A Town, which is wonderful. That's awesome. So with Galaxy Cat Argus, who I am always excited to see because I'm I'm a big Corgi head. Mm -hmm. um, you're starting to build up a supporting cast for Kendra. Yes. Including the uh, the Prince of Abilene. Yes. Um, how important is it? Because you mentioned before that a lot of Kendra's supporting cast or other players in her story are usually either mentor figures or romantic figures. How important is, is it for you to have her build out her own cast kind of away from everybody who she's previously been interacting with? Super important um, for two reasons. One that was the brief given to me by DC Comics, which oh, is that's awesome. That we couldn't use characters that she's interacted with in the past, huh. uh, which was fine by me. I, I didn't mind that at all. 
Um, but the other thing is I think she needs a supporting cast. Like she needs right. that, you know, she needs a Lois Lane and a Perry White and a Jimmy Olsen and characters that she can rely on who aren't necessarily other costume characters, but right. still are involved in her life. And she's never really had that. Like even when she had her own series, those characters were holdovers from the Hawkman right <laughs> thing so they were her they were his friends yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's nice to like well who who does she who does she hang out with in this um and so um she's in a kind of a low place right now right with everything that's happened with justice league disbanding and everything that happened in the videtti hawkman um so i was thinking like when i've had friends who are in these low places. And when I'm in low places, especially um, especially my, my um, straight female friends, <laughs> which Kinder <laughs> is, uh, whenever they have like bad breakups or something difficult happens to them with their partners, they tend to gravitate toward their female friends, especially their female friends who are unattached or female friends who are queer. So there's more, more women energy yeah. there. I've seen that happen over and over again. So I was like, okay, so obviously Kendra needs some queer women friends. She needs some un unattached woman friend. And to bring that in to kind of like, that just seemed to fit where she is right now. Absolutely. And I, I, I do love that you brought up Jimmy Lois because Metropolis is not the first city that I would think of to drop Kendra into. But mm -hmm. I have I have to say you you wrote one of my favorite Superman lines in a good long <laughs> while with the it's not a lecture it's just a series of good practices. <laughs> it Thank just you. Was so nice, uh, and I'm just like so yes, that's fun. he's the cool dad. Yeah, I love that he's super dad now. Yeah, like, I thought I was gonna hate it, and then I started reading it. I was like, no, this is perfect. This is wonderful. <laughs> uh, so I was so happy to write Superman as he is now as the dad uh, in the same way that I was overexcited to write Power Girl as yes. kind of a bratty older sister yeah. and to kind of bring in this sort of super heroic family unit with Superman as the dad and um, Black Canary as the mom and Power Girl as the older sibling and have them kind of like have a super heroic sort of like, is everything all right, sweetie? Yeah. In the middle of a big fight. And it was like, that just, that felt right to me. And I was so happy to, to do that. And that fight is so much fun. I mean, just from the, everybody doing that check-in dialogue to also the enemies that she's fight, that they're all fighting. The Helians. Um, the Helians and how, galaxy just shuts them off and doesn't know she's like i'm pretty sure i didn't kill them <laughs> um but i don't i'm not positive it's yeah and that's the thing like so galaxy fun. knows her power she knows she can stop a gas from igniting but she's not <laughs> used to being in a superhero environment where that gas might be alive yeah like that's not something she has experience <laughs> with and it's it's a lot of fun and not just that i mean the art is so stellar. Um, How has it been working with Manke and Nawalpan? Uh, Manke is so good. He's just amazing. Like, and as beautiful as his work in issue one is, and it is gorgeous, he just gets 
better with each issue. Um, we just, I just saw some art from issue four and it's breathtaking. So like the, he's, it's amazing. It's amazing to work with him. Uh, so I, cool. I give him the wildest things to draw. <laughs> and not only does he do it, but he does it better than it was in my head. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking out the time. This is ah, happy to do it. I, I love talking about this. I'm really excited to read the rest of this. I know that Volpecula is scheming. Uh, we've got, I, I love the storybook uh, opening to this. The The narration is right up my alley. Are there, and I, I have mm -hmm. to ask this, are there any teases you can give that you're allowed to give? I mean, I don't think I'm allowed to give anything. I will say, <laughs> um, I will say, I can say what's already been revealed, which is that yes, we get to hang out in A Town in yeah. issue two, which is marvelous. Um, Batman, we go to Gotham in issue three, oh, so we have a Batman cool. guest star. Alicia Yo is also in Gotham, yes. and she shows up, which is wonderful. Um, there's more guest stars in issue four, um, and then issue five and six are just a just a straight shot everything coming to a head everything falling apart and just a, a race to the finish as uh chaos looms oh man well i i can't wait i can't wait to pick these up i can't read to wait to read all six of these issues and i hope that it goes further i hope that we get issue seven eight nine all the way i would love that i have so many ideas you have you have no clue how many more <laughs> stories I would love to tell with Kendra. Oh my gosh. Well, I am really excited to find out what those stories are month to month as we go on through this. But as we are wrapping up, um, if our listeners want to follow up with you, continue following you and all the cool things you're doing, where they, can they find you? Uh, sure. I mean, if you want to find me, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, I'm Planet X on Twitter and uh, Instagram. That's 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 a good place. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, you can find Jadzia there, and you can find Kendra in Hawk Girl number one out this week. Go pick it up. Go pre-order issues two through six so that we can get much much more, and we can see Kendra fly higher and higher. Thank you so much for joining me, Jadzia. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episodes three and four of Secret Invasion. I think this is good because the, the two episodes feel like they should be talked about together with how much is carried across the two. Uh, as you are aware, I took the week off last week from talking about Secret Invasion because I wanted to talk about my adventures with Superman. And I might continue to talk about that. I like kind of having the two episodes conjoined, more or less. So if you are interested, I'm going to pose this to you, listener. Next week, I'll do episodes three and four of my adventures with superman week after that i'll do episodes five and six of uh secret invasion and then 
once that wraps, I'll just continue on with my adventures with Superman. If if you would be into that. If not, I'll just finish out Secret Invasion and then we can um, move on to my adventures with Superman. I can do a catch up there. Let me know what you're thinking because I definitely want to continue talking about my adventures with Superman, but format-wise, I'm interested to see what y'all think. But right now, we're talking about episodes three and four of Secret Invasion entitled Betrayed and Beloved. And these two episodes really do feel like they should have been one big episode. (laughs) Um, In episode three, Betrayed, we get a couple big things that are hinted at and some things that are outright stated. Gravik uh, reveals to the Skrull Council that he's doing some super Skrull things. He's like, I want to be a super Skrull, and I think everyone else should also be super Skrulls. Uh, We're also going to do an attack on the UN. It's going to be great. Uh, This kind of leads into this really tense and really great scene between him and Talos. Talos, whatever you want to call him. Everyone calls him differently. Um, And we get that cool scene from the trailer where Talos grabs him by the scruff and everybody suddenly turns into Gravik. Really cool moment. Um... I've just, I, I really, really do that. Uh, I, I really do like it. I think it's, uh, it's those moments where we get to see them really take advantage of the spy thriller uh, aspects of this show. And I feel like they should lean into it a little bit more. Um, Fury and Talos get to talk to each other again. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, Talos kills a guy um, who was part of this UN attack. Uh, thankfully, they're able to avert it. Um, graphic that just, like, shoots her. You know? It's... It's cool. Uh, in episode four, we find out that she's fine, but we're still... I'm still unclear on why she's fine. Um, we also... I get... In, in episode three, we find out that Fury knows that his... Kind it's it's unclear again it feels like he knows that his wife is a scroll but he doesn't know that she's got ulterior motives which we find out is uh she is also working for uh gravik who is a who is i guess puppeteering literally everybody including nick fury um we see that uh Priscilla, I think is her name, um, goes to meet with Rhodey. And it is revealed here that Rhodey is a scroll. I'm very excited for Nando of Nando V Movies. I'm sure this is vindication for him. Um, we get to see that uh, Rhodes is actually a scroll named Rava, which, if eagle-eyed viewers may know, was the name of the scroll warrior in the incredible Black Bolt comic by uh, Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. Uh, the interesting thing about that is I don't remember if Rava ever does shapeshift in that comic. I don't think she does. So I'm curious if this is intended to be the same Rava or not. But we find out that uh, Fury knows, or at least he is keyed in and listening to the conversation between Rava and Priscilla. Uh, they confront each other, but... She, um, it's, okay, 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 here's the thing. So, it, again, plays kind of fast and loose, and maybe I'm not 
paying attention but it plays kind of fast and loose on whether he knew she was a scroll or not because again she was a scroll trapping the vegetables she wasn't a scroll when he came home but then we had the meeting that we had that flashback of the meeting i think in like episode two or maybe it was three where she is very clearly dropping hints that she is a scroll so i don't I don't know exactly what's going on, but either way, the two of them kind of make amends and they go their separate ways. Um, Fury plants a tracker on Rhodes um, while also kind of sort of not revealing that he knows that he's a Skrull. Uh, Then there's the big old action sequence, which I feel like we've kind of been waiting on, where Gravik uh, attacks what's his name it's it's i think it's the president i don't know maybe it was the secretary of defense but this big attack on the convoy lots of action flipping cars gunfire uh fury and talos show up uh they save um the secretary slash president i don't know at this point but talos gets shot He's wounded. He's kind of groggy. Um, and this, and it seems like Fury is helping him out. He's like, let's get you out of here. And then they turn a corner and Fury's there with a gun. He's like, put him down. And we see that Fury has turned into a British soldier. And then Gravik, I guess, is revealed as the British soldier, then stabs Talos. And that's where it ends. And we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I am very curious to see how this ends. We still don't know what the deal is with Olivia Coleman's character. We didn't see her at all for these two episodes, and that makes me incredibly suspicious. Um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm very nervous. I don't know what her deal is, but I'm excited to find out. So that was Secret Invasion episodes three and four um overall i think that the the show is the show is good the show is good i like obviously the spy thriller aspect of it but i do feel like this is a show that could have been a movie and i think the pacing would have worked a lot better i still am not completely sold on uh amelia clark's i think her name is gaia Uh, i don't know where she fits in all this so i don't know but again We've got two episodes left, so let's see if they can stick the landing. But that is going to do it for the weekly review. Again, let me know format-wise how you want me to go about this. If you like this joint like two-episode deal uh, between this and then uh, My Adventures with Superman until this show ends, or if you'd prefer me to finish this out and then go into My Adventures with Superman, uh, let me know. Let me know. I want to talk about both shows, and it makes it very difficult because usually this is just a one-review deal. So either way, tune in next week for another weekly review. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop or comics imagery or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And it was tough to decide the pick, but ultimately I did choose Immortal X-Men number 13. It is 
fascinating. This issue is such a masterclass on comic book tension, and it's so good in everything that it does. All the players, the dissolution of the Quiet Council, Doug being, you know, that. Um, we're getting, we are running headfirst into all of the uh, Fall of X stuff, and I am terrified. But that's last week's books. This week, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books for you to check out. And we're kicking things off with two brand new number ones from Marvel. First things first is Blade number one. This is written by Brian Hill with art by Elena Casagrande. And this is the first Blade book we've had in a while. And I like both of these creators. I really dig their stuff. And I'm really excited to see what they bring to the day. Walker. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Marvel's slickest vampire hunter returns in a brand new ongoing. True evil is patient, and a dark, ancient power has been simmering quietly for centuries. And when Blade himself is the one to unknowingly unleash it, Marvel's entire supernatural underworld will come out of hiding to demand he handle it, or pay a pound of flesh for his mistakes. Bloodbaths, Blackmail, and Blade. You won't want to miss this explosive first issue of this new volume. Yeah, sounds awesome. Again, I'm a huge fan of Casagrande's art. I really, really, really love Brian Hill's writing, so I'm very excited to pick this up. The other brand new number one is Moon Knight City of the Dead number one. This is written by David Popose with art by Marcelo Ferreira. You've heard me praise Marcelo Ferreira's stuff uh, for a while now, but David Popose is amazing as well. Uh, I haven't gotten to really talk about his stuff, but he's been kind of under the radar killing it in every single book that he puts out. Uh, most recently, the book that I really loved was his Hulk Annual, which is essentially just like a uh, found footage style Hulk story. Incredible. Popose had been, has been crushing it for a while, and I'm really excited to see him take on Moon Knight. So let's dig into the synopsis. The debut of the new Scarlet Scarab. When a young runaway is attacked by a gang of death cultists, he is left barely alive outside the Midnight Mission. But Mark Spector made a vow long ago to defend the Travelers of the Night, and as long as a spark of life remains, his mission isn't over yet. Follow Moon Knight on his most harrowing adventure yet, as the Fist of Khonshu journeys far beyond the land of the living, and battles across the mind-bending underworld known as the City of the Dead. Yeah, this is awesome. This is also the debut of the new Scarlet Scarab, as it said, directly translating from the Disney Plus series, which was one of the strongest parts of that show. So I'm glad that they're carrying that across here. Really excited to read this. Next up, we have Void Rivals number two. This is written by Robert Kirkman with art by Lorenzo de Felici. I think I said that right. If not, I apologize. Um, Void Rivals number one was one of the most surprising books I've ever picked up. It's really interesting. Uh, this was, of course, the book that gave us the big reveal of the Daniel Warren Johnson and Robert Kirkman and everybody else expanded uh, Cybertronian universe. Uh, <laughs> the shared universe between Transformers, G.I. Joe, this book. I'm really, really excited about this. And it made me immediately fall in love with the story so i've been trying to get my robert kirkman fix while firepower is on hiatus so this is doing it for me let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis 
After the jaw-dropping reveal of the debut issue, everything Darak and Salila thought they knew about the Sacred Ring's never-ending war has changed. To deliver the truth back home, they must first get off this deadly planet by any means necessary. So yeah, really good story, and even if it wasn't connected to uh, this new shared universe, I would still recommend picking it up. I had a lot of fun with it. Next up, we have X-Men Red number 13. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Jacopo Camagni. Uh, I hope I said that correctly. Uh, this is continuing the big Araco war. I loved the first salvo. Genesis is back, and she is back for blood! Can't wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. She's back. Genesis once again walks the island she ruled for millennia with the Annihilation Staff in her hand. But what is in her heart? Is the return of the Mother of Araco to be celebrated or feared? As the Fall of X closes in, the Great Ring must decide or risk their own fall from grace. I kind of wish the solicitation was Mommy's home. Uh, Y'all remember back when, during the uh, Bendis era of X-Men... Cyclops showed up in that X-Force book that was led by Cable, and the whole solicitation was just Daddy's Home. Like, I would love that for Genesis. I I'm, I love this character. I love Araco. Really excited to see her go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Storm. It's going to be awesome. Next up, we have Batman Superman World's Finest number 17. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. Uh, also, World's Finest Teen Titans ruled. Really great issue. Um, I love this book. And if you are really interested, you're like, oh, hey, I heard that Metamorpho is going to be in this new Superman movie. What cool stories are there to read? This one's one of them. And this one is one that you can pick up right now and love. Because this story... Rules. Let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. World War AI hits its climax, guest starring dozens of DC heroes in a war against New Mezo and his machines that will determine the fate of humanity, and lay threads for a menace that will soon pop up in the pages of Shazam. So yeah, this is one of the cool things about having Mark Wade writing multiple books. He gets to kind of weave things together. So I'm excited about this. This arc has been wonderful, as all of the arcs have been, and I'm excited to pick this up. Uh, the next two books are the big books of the week for me. These are the ones that are tied for first. Either one of these are must, I mean both of them, are must reads. First up, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number four. Written by the Hive Mind, art by Kev Walker. This book freaking rules! But this book, this issue specifically, is going to give us a big clue as to what's been going on. So let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. Rocket Raccoon is back, and he's not happy to see the Guardians of the Galaxy. Where has he been all this time? What's happened to him? Get ready for a Rocket Raccoon you've never seen before. I'm very curious about this. We also found out recently that the uh, series will be ending, which is unfortunate. Um, I believe we're getting 10 or 12 issues, and that's going to be it, which breaks my heart, honestly. Like, I love, talk I love talking to the Hive Mind about their Guardians book because their vision for it felt so new and exciting. Um, and I'm sad that there is a, you know, there's a definite endpoint for this. I like that they're able to finish their story uh, on their terms, it seems like. But 
yeah, it kind of bums me out. We also did get the announcement. I didn't mention this during the news, but I thought it'd be relevant to talk about here that they are going to be writing the new Thunderbolts book, which is basically Shang-Chi and Friends. I know the lead is the Winter Soldier, but it's Shang-Chi and Friends, and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's it's looking like it's going to be a fun Strike Force book. I guess right now they've only got it like for four or eight issues, but we all need to read these books because the hive mind keeps getting books and then being taken off them, and it's making me concerned because I love their writing and I love all the books that they've written. So read this, but also of course the other big book of the week, Hawk Girl number one. Written by John Z. Axelrod, art by Amonke and Welpon. Uh, you need to pick this up. If this entire episode has not gotten you to read this, let's read the synopsis. And hopefully that'll, uh, that'll send you on home. Soaring to new heights and battling new foes. Kendra Saunders, the winged warrior better known as Hawkgirl, has been one of the DCU's greatest heroes for a long time, serving as a member of both the Justice League and the Justice Society. But with the Justice League disbanded, Kendra decides she needs a fresh start and heads to Metropolis to begin a new life. That life is quickly interrupted by a mysterious villain with a powerful connection to the nth metal that makes up Hawkgirl's wings and weapons. A brand new adventure with sky-high action, adventure, and intrigue begins here. So yeah, this is the new series for Hawkgirl, featuring appearances by Galaxy, Alicia Yo. Uh, Jadzia also mentioned there might be an appearance by Power Girl here. So all the heavy hitters are going to be showing up in this. And Kendra is going to be getting some new stories, which I'm excited about. I kind of also love that Metropolis is now kind of the center of the DC Universe, as New York is for Marvel. I love that everybody's kind of showing up and kind of... S- no pun intended, but stretching their wings from this spot. It's really cool. I like that. It's something new, um, but I'm I'm really stoked. And I'm excited to read this. I'm really excited to check this out. Uh, from the cover here, it looks like there's only going to be six issues, but I hope there's more. I hope that we uh, get more than six issues, and that's going to be dependent on us, the readers, to buy this book. So buy this book, support cool creators, and support cool characters. But that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Blade number one and Moon Knight City of the Dead number one, Void Rivals number two, X-Men Red number 13, Batman Superman World's Finest number 17, Guardians of the Galaxy number four, and Hawkgirl number one. Lots of great, great comics to pick up this week. So make sure you flock to the comic book shops Pick up Hot Girl number one, as well as some other amazing comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. Raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast you can write literally whatever you want i will be forced to read every single word and believe me some people have taken advantage of that but as long as you give me those five stars the sky's the limit on what you can write 
and you'll be able to join the likes of our amazing Fantasy 15, including Seafire ND, Joshua Pales to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A Lock and A Z, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken 4656, and Director Hall. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Remember, we've got less than a month to get five more reviews to hit that 20 reviews mark. I, I believe we can do it. I beseech thee, dear listener. All I need is five of you to come in, give me your five-star review, and you will make my entire day. It's the only birthday present I want. Uh, if you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. Just like our good brother, Michael Cox. Always good to hear from Mike, who writes, Hey, Eric, hope you're doing well. Thanks, man. Hope you're doing well as well. I know this is coming after your episode on the Mission Impossible films, but I just recently watched all seven in three days. Being laid off for two weeks sucks. Mike, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Um, I, yeah. It, that sucks. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but you got to watch some great films, right? Right? He writes, I wanted to share my possibly unpopular opinions on the movie since even though I like action movies, I really don't like Tom Cruise. That's fair. I never want to hear anyone say that the MCU is formulaic ever again because these movies are all the same. Oh, no, Mike. Mike! Okay, let's 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 see what his uh, his explanation is. The bad guy is always a former IMF agent or rogue spy from another country. True. The mask reveals get done way too often. Okay, true, but I still think they're good. Uh, Ethan Hunt gets disavowed in every single, nearly every single movie, and goes rogue until he can prove he's right. That's yes, yes he does. There's some MacGuffin that's going to devastate the world, yet only like four people are able to stop it. They're often blamed for it in the first place. That is also true. Uh, those are just my opinions on the films. I did like Cavill and Fallout, but that's mainly because I already liked him as an actor. Also fair. Um, I get it, man. They're they're not super highbrow uh, films, but I really like the filmmaking aspect of them. Um, Cruz is an absolute madman, and his kind of devotion to filmmaking as an art has really helped the series evolve. But I am also the same guy who loves the Fast and Furious movies. So, you know, take with that what you will. Uh, but Mike continues, uh, good luck with the SAG strike. Y'all actors and writers deserve so much better than what the mouse and other big wigs think. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And I agree. Uh, pay your actors, pay your writers, make sure we can all make a living wage. Um, shit sucks. SAG, uh, so here's for an example uh sag you have to make a certain amount i think it's like twenty seven thousand dollars a year to make health care out of the entire union out of the entire union of members of sag which number in i think millions only 10 percent of the members of our union actually make enough to get health care which is boggling it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense, especially when you see, you know, executives and corporations having some of the biggest profits and earnings of their entire fiscal career. It's just, it's, it's a lot of stuff, but honestly, it just comes down to paying people what they're worth, paying people for their art and paying people enough so that they can have, uh, 
a livable wage which I think everybody should have. But that's just me. Thank you so much to Mike for writing in. Again, if you want to be part of the Geeksplain mailbag, send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you're interested in uh, keeping up to date with the podcast, getting first notification for announcements or when uh, episodes go live, maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram for as long as Twitter's around and as I try to figure out Instagram. Do y'all want me to make a threads? Do I need to join threads? We'll see. Uh Follow us at Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P O D. Uh, we actually ran a poll on Twitter that decided this very episode. I put up the Twitter poll again at Geeksplained Pod uh, to find out which of the new castings you wanted to learn about, and Hawkgirl won pretty handily, which I made me really excited. So uh, feel free. Again, I'm going to be doing polls. You'll be able to have a hand in deciding future episodes and all of that stuff. And it, again, it's exciting just to interact with y'all. So again, at Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and maybe threads. We'll see if that happens. Uh, and finally, every single Friday is the Geeksplained Book Club, where I, alongside my Flash family, that is more difficult to say every single week, uh, Jacob Brown and Malcolm Russell Nelson are currently going through every single issue of every single volume of the flash rebirth last week we tackled the uh, apparent return of wally west as well as the rogues and this week we are reading volume seven i believe which is entitled the perfect storm gorilla grot is back and he is causing trouble and the entire flash family is going to be called in to deal with it so join us this friday and every friday for the geek explained book club be there or be square not a circle flash fridays are a real thing but that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you couldn't tell, I'm a little under the weather. I'm a little stuffed up. Um, these temperature changes are killing me. And we've also been fostering a kitten and my allergies have been everywhere. So uh, I appreciate you sticking with me for this episode. Next week, we are going to close out July with our latest Geeksplain Spotlight as we take a look back at the comic that inspired the hit Disney Plus show, Secret Invasion. I'm going to be diving back into a comic that I have not read in, and I mean this sincerely, about 15 years. So join me, won't you, as we close out July with our latest Geek Explain Spotlight next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explain podcast, I've been Eric Kazana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next time.